Have you ever found yourself in an awkward social situation? You weren't really sure how to handle it? Or ever wonder why etiquette dictates that we do things in a certain way? Or if it even really matters? If so, you're going to love what my guest, Allison Chipperdick, has to share today. She is the founder of Elevate Etiquette and has a wide variety of experiences, everything from being a figure skater, a lawyer, and even working in the West Wing of the White House. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for being here, Allison. Thank you, Christy, for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. Well, you have a really interesting background and some really unique life experiences. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. I am the founder and president of Elevate Etiquette, where I teach individual and group courses, both online and in person on social business and dining etiquette, and then also provide international protocol courses and event styling services. And a little bit of background of what led me here. Etiquette has been a passion of mine for a long time. Um, More than 10 years ago now, my husband and I were engaged to be married and I had some specific etiquette questions that I wanted to know the answer to. And so I got myself my first etiquette book. At the time, it was the Amy Vanderbilt Complete Book of Etiquette. And rather than just finding the answers to the specific questions that I had, I ended up reading that book cover to cover and have read many, many books on etiquette and soft skills and emotional intelligence and protocol since then. And I've seen how etiquette is so important in terms of how you comport yourself and how you convey respect to others through other elements of my career. Uh, I, right out of college, I was a television news reporter and anchor and then went to law school. I worked in government for some time in the House and the Senate, in the administration, at the Treasury Department and the White House. I also worked in private practice as an attorney and in nonprofit. And all throughout, I was always impressed by people that knew how to conduct themselves well and with kindness. And I like to say that I've made some mistakes and I'm happy to share what I've learned and what I've seen um, done well and what's worked for me to help others to be the most confident and kind version of themselves. That is a wonderful take on etiquette. And I'm not surprised that you saw so many good examples in those situations. What do you think most people think of like the average person when they hear the word etiquette? I think they might think of rules and they might think of dining etiquette and then also more formal scenarios. And even though that might be the common perception, the way I present etiquette, I like to I like to convey it not as rules, but as considerations that you might adopt. And I provide reasons why. So not mandates for, you know, demanding adoption, but more like considerations that you might try on for size. And I definitely like to incorporate the reasoning behind it. And then etiquette applies to all scenarios. It's not, we can't, you know, send an out of office email and say, you know, I'm not going to have etiquette this weekend. It's something that applies in all human interactions 
ranging from the very formal to the very casual too, because they're really all about honoring others and also showing respect for ourselves. And do you think that etiquette has kind of changed in the last, from what you've seen, like in the last 20 to 30 years? Yes, I do. And etiquette is different than manners. They're related, but they're not the same. So Mm. manners are about an attitude or the way that we want to show kindness and respect to others. But etiquette is how we do that. So across the world, everyone wants to have good manners, but what is considered good manners in one place versus another can be very different. Just like even within the United States, in different organizations or different workplaces, there are different expectations regarding how you might dress or how you might act or how you might speak, etc. So etiquette certainly changes over time. We can look at dress codes, we can look at trends in dining or fashion, um, you know, culinary trends, all of these things can change over time, but the principles and the foundation of it all remains the same, which is about respect. I love that distinction between manners and etiquette. I've never really explored thinking about those two, that they're two separate things. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, wearing a hat. There's certain instances where it would be disrespectful to wear a hat. Um, And there's certain instances where it would not be. So that would be a form of etiquette. But the purpose behind it is, you know, good manners of showing respect. I wish I had those two distinctions down when I was raising my children. (laughs) It would have been easy to explain in that way. Whereas, you know, when they're young, they're just looking at rules that they don't understand or think are nonsense, you know, just it's just tradition. But that's a really good way of explaining it. Yes. And some of them, it's hard to to understand exactly why we do what we do. But a lot of etiquette makes a lot of sense, like what we do with our knives or how we keep our hands visible while we're eating or um, things like that. It comes back to, to a tradition of showing that we come in peace without weapons or without intentions um, to harm people that we're dining with. That is so interesting. I've not heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like if a way to remember that we always keep the blade of our knife facing ourselves is because it shows that we're not intending to use our knife as a weapon with the blade facing another. Well, I'm going to look at my table settings completely different now. (laughs) (laughs) It actually, it actually helps make it easy to remember. Also, like when you are setting the table, and teaching Definitely. your children to set the table that they little boys would really find that interesting for sure. Yeah. Now, why do you think you've touched a little bit on it, but why do you think etiquette is important in today's world? Well, I think it's important to demonstrate respect to others. And I also think it's important to demonstrate respect or show respect to yourself. And I'd love to know what are the most frequently asked questions that you get about etiquette? I get a lot of questions surrounding dining etiquette. I will say wedding etiquette is another hot topic, especially changing traditions and things like destination weddings or shower, multiple showers for the same bride and groom. And then I do get a lot of questions that are pretty fact specific that are about having hard conversations 
honoring people that you're friends with or your family with or family um, in workplaces and wanting to say the right thing in a, a challenging or sensitive situation. When it comes in particular to a social gathering or a party, what are some specific questions that you come across? I often get questions regarding hostess gifts and they are both from the guest and the host side of things. So I get questions regarding what are the best hostess gifts. And I often say that it's the kind of gift that you would want to receive. And then, well, know your host, but also something that you would like and maybe something a little special. So you know that your host likes candles, but maybe you get them an extra special candle that they may not buy themselves. And things that are totally easy for them. Like if you're going to bring flowers, it should be for a more casual event, not a very formal event where the host has all of their florals and decor taken care of in advance. And if you do bring flowers, you want to make sure that it's in a vase and with water so that the host doesn't need to be preparing an arrangement while they're juggling other hostess responsibilities. Our other questions that I commonly receive are regarding if and when you should open a gift that you receive as a host. And then if you need to send a thank you note as a host, when you receive a hostess gift and the answers there are, and I hate to give a squishy answer, but it does depend when you are <laughs> receiving a gift. Right. Uh, and I say that because if you don't want to jeopardize your other responsibilities, so you don't want, you know, your filet mignon to be well done because when you wanted it to be medium rare, because you were, preoccupied opening gifts that you receive from your guests when they arrived. So that's one consideration. You don't want to jeopardize um, your role as a host in leading the event. And then secondly, you also don't want to draw attention to others that may have arrived empty-handed. Right. So you need to, it's kind of a case-by-case basis there. I do recommend as a host having a plan for what you're going to do with gifts that you receive. I do find that especially for um, dinner parties, for some reason, guests are less inclined to give notes with their uh, gifts, which if you're a guest, I always recommend having a little note because there can be a lot happening, especially in the first hour or so of a party. And it can be easy to lose track of who brought what and where it was left. Um, exactly. So, yes. Yeah, so have a plan there, even if you have a friend or a family member and their job or one of their jobs is just to help and keep a little notebook of who came and who brought what and, um, you know, name the bottle of wine, whatever it is, um, can be can be really helpful. And then regarding a thank you. So if you do not open your hostess gift in in person or in front of your guests, then I do recommend sending a thank you. And some people don't love texting a thank you, um, but I think it's okay in that scenario because generally a hostess gift is a thank you note. So we don't need to be thanking each other in perpetuity. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you for the thank you. So generally speaking, if you're a host, you open a hostess gift and you're able to thank them for the specific gift uh, in person, then a thank you is not necessary after that. But for myself, what I do is I often send a text if, for example, I open a gift after a party's over. So that's what I typically recommend. That's perfect. I I love that you mentioned thinking ahead about 
what to do, which is overarching theme of being a host is planning ahead is, you know, always helpful and not and relieve stress in general. But, you know, usually you're thinking about planning ahead for the dinner or <laughs> planning yeah. ahead for the flower arrangement, not necessarily how to receive any hostess gifts. And that is an excellent point because it is so often, you're right, they don't leave any a tag or anything on it because they think they're going to be handing it to you. And yes. I'll be honest, if you even if you hand it to me, if I'm in the middle of um, you know, trying to to host, I may forget who handed what yes. to me. So that is a great idea. And it's a delicate dance because you don't want to come across as presumptuous, like you have this gift table all set up and ready for your guests to bring their gifts, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's not you know, a birthday party or a milestone party or a shower or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you do want to have a plan just like you would have a plan for where your guests will put their coats, that sort of a thing. Good, good advice. And I feel like the overarching theme of all of those pointers are put yourself in the host's position and how, like you said, what would you like to receive as a gift or and how would you like to receive it? You know, exactly. Such just putting ourselves in their place is really will answer most of our questions. I, I yes. feel like, yes. Now, what about um, some questions that you've heard, like about maybe sticky or uncomfortable situations um, that a host yeah. may encounter during a party? What kind of yes. questions have you found? So, I think sometimes guests can ask for what might seem like unreasonable accommodations. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to use your best judgment as to whether you accommodate. Um, I think that can be tricky. Another one is RSVP follow-up. Sometimes people have difficult... I firmly believe you should not be following up with your guests prior to your RSVP deadline unless you're like really in the dark and you're having difficulty getting numbers together for catering purposes. But generally Mm -hmm. speaking, I recommend from a host perspective, you want to give yourself some healthy buffer room because invariably 100% of your guests are not going to RSVP on time. So you want to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room so that you can follow up and know, you know, what your table and chair scenario needs to be in the food, et cetera. Sure. Um, and then I think sometimes I, I like to empower hosts that yes, you want to be thinking about your guests and you want to love on them and you want to make them feel really welcome, but you also can assert boundaries. Like you can say, you know, we're, we're welcoming friends into our home or family into our home, but not into these areas of our house, whether it's the upstairs or the master bedroom, or maybe you're going to be taking guest coats to another closet rather than guests helping themselves, I think that's okay. And sometimes people feel like they just need to say yes to to guests in all sorts of scenario. And then another thing that can be sticky is when you are entertaining with things that are so precious that you would be heartbroken if they are broken or something happens to them. That's another scenario because I think that as a hostess, if something is so precious to you, that you would be terribly distraught if something happened to it, then maybe you shouldn't be hosting with it or using it um, for those larger occasions. And I think 
in the event that something does happen, whether something is spilled or broken or, you know, doesn't go as planned. Maybe you have guests that arrive very late that complicate the timing of things. You want to roll with the punches and seem as though you're unfazed and, and really welcoming. And do you have any tips for how to handle a guest that is just flat out behaving poorly? Yes. So everyone has to, everyone is going to have their own style. And so what works for me may not work for someone else. I tend to only intervene and this rarely, rarely happens. Right. Um, but I think if, if a guest is ever being rude to another guest, that's when I think it's important for the host to step in. Mm-hmm. So whether it's um, offensive comments or um, being argumentative, that's when I think the host has a duty to take the temperature down and see to it that everyone is respected. But I, I really tread on the side of not correcting people for, you know, etiquette mm-hmm. related things. And, you know, maybe if someone, I, I would really err on the side of not correcting people, not drawing attention to poor behavior and with the ex- exception of being rude to other guests or, if people were, you know, drinking to a level that it would be unsafe for them to leave, then you certainly want to intervene. Right. Um, but beyond that, I probably would just err on the side of not inviting them back again for the same type of setting if that setting didn't seem to be like a good fit. That that is a very good point. No reason to repeat this mistake <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um now what type of entertaining do you find yourself doing most right now in this stage of life? So a lot of dinner parties, a lot of book club brunches, and lots of showers, bridal showers, baby showers. But then I also love celebratory moments like graduation parties. Um, I had a few girlfriends who graduated from graduate school this spring and summer. So it was fun to celebrate them. I'm really big on not just doing bridal showers or engagement parties or baby showers, which are wonderful, but also other big moments, especially in friends that, you know, or for friends who are not married or growing a family. So that was a lot, but I guess those are my favorites. That's so fun to be able to celebrate your friends that, aren't being yeah. celebrated as much. That's, that is a really good point. And um, what we're always talking about here is celebrating life's moments. And of course, yeah. there is the predictable, like you said, the baby shower and the wedding shower. Um, but really, those those smaller events but are just as meaningful. And it can mean even more to someone that's celebrated if it's not you know the traditional, what everyone yeah. expects. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think... I think people really crave it. I think there's something to, you know, just not the routine or um, not everyone wants to organize a party or organize an event, but they really love to be included. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just think it's so worth it and it's, it's really worth the time. 
Now, when you entertain, um, do you entertain in your home more often or like a rental space or what's that look like for you? Um, Most often I entertain in my home and my husband and I, my husband's in real estate and we've renovated a number of homes over the years. And this one in particular, we, you know, it's, it's not large by suburban standards, um, but it's Mm -hmm. the largest home that we've lived in so far. And we, it's a historic row home on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And really our number one goal, in addition to preserving the history of it all as we were renovating it, was setting ourselves up so that we could entertain and welcome as many people into our home as possible and for it to be just a little haven. And we actually... We named the home Hillhaven um, because we were looking for a biblical word for the name home and we're on the hill. So that was kind of how it came to pass. But it's been fun to to welcome lots of people in here. And we, as we designed our kitchen or we took down walls or worked on the back patio area, um, we were always thinking about how would this space be used to welcome more people in. I love that. And I, when I saw in your bio that you had renovated houses and um, especially historic houses, I was thinking, I would love to see that process all along. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you been in this this particular house? So we've been in this particular house. We moved in in January of 2021. And we're now renovating our next place, which will be in Georgetown, um, which is um, not far from where we are now, but a different neighborhood. And we we purchased the property about a year ago, but it took a year to get all of the proper permits in order to start working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we got through all of the permitting hurdles, so we're really grateful for that. And it'll probably take another year for us to um, do all the work that's needed in order to actually move in. But we we really enjoy it. And I have found we've done some renovations that are really fast, quick flips and my favorites are the historic ones where you can, where it's a more layered process and you can kind of let things marinate and the decisions aren't aren't so rushed. That's so exciting. And I, I know we were talking before we started the interview, but just how much I love your Instagram account, but oh. I would love to see that too. I know it's not exactly related. <laughs> but. Oh, well, I appreciate the encouragement. I, I really would like to share more. Um, so... Yes. And I, you know, I'm learning as I go. I love antiques. I love art, but I'm not an expert in all these things. And I, I love learning little by little. So I'm hoping to share more of that too. Good. I hope you do. I, it's so interesting to, I would think it would be so interesting to watch. Well, thank you. Well, what does hospitality really mean to you? To me, hospitality is all about building and nurturing community and loving others as well. And but really simply doing life together. And why do you think that that is important? I think that relationships are what make life so meaningful and they require nurturing and sure the best relationships are ones where you can go through different seasons and see each other connect more or less frequently over different periods, but it's 
it's the people and the moments that you share that are just so important and hospitality helps foster more of that. It really does bond. Memories bond um, when we're inviting people into our homes. You're right. Fostering relationships is really something done over time and different experiences. So I love that definition. Now, do you have any tips for how to minimize stress before a party? To minimize stress, I would say don't bite off more than you can chew. And that's something that I need to remind myself of because (laughs) I often like you just, it's so easy to just try to like level up everything a little bit each time. And then before you know it, it's like, Oh my goodness, what did I get myself into in terms of, it could be like how, like maybe you've made the recipe before. I am of the sort where I have some great friends who make recipes for the first time when they've got a million people in their kitchen and I applaud them for that, but I am not that kind of a host. I like to make things in advance and really know what I'm doing. Um, but I think make things easy on yourself. You, you don't have to do everything yourself if you don't want to. And I also think focus on the things that you really enjoy. Like if you love baking, then make sure that you, you know, bake something that you really love and maybe your appetizers, you can get dips that are prepared from the grocery store or um, the prepared food section, things like that. Like, and yeah, I, I think those are some some good things to think about just as you're getting started. They are so good. I think you and I are twins because really? I, <laughs> yeah, like I, especially um, when I was younger, um, I've learned my lesson the hard way, but you know, I love a party and yeah. I love the details, which Me means you, you keep wanting to take it up a notch. And before you know it, and if, you, if you're thinking, I can do that, I can do yeah. that. And not thinking, I don't, may not have time to do everything. <laughs> so yeah. um, I've totally been there. Um, it's, or you, you can underestimate like, I think to be a good host, you want to shepherd the experience. And I'm not saying micromanage, but mm-hmm. like you want to see to it that everyone has a pleasant experience. And so that means like keeping an eye on the door and making sure that everybody's welcome and that everyone's kind of in conversation. And you might have some ideas of people that you want to introduce to each other or make them know of various connections or things that they might have in common. And then you also have different things cooking at different temperatures at different times. And then you have lots of people in your kitchen and maybe there's people in front of your dishwasher and in front of your (laughs) trash and in front of the stove. And you're trying to like catch up with people that you haven't seen in a long time. And people are asking you how they can help and you have to, you know, have some ideas for ways they can help if you want some help. And there's just a lot to keep in mind. And so you're, you're juggling all of that. And yeah, so I, I think that hosts should just kind of celebrate their successes and all experience is a good experience and no event goes exactly as planned. Well, speaking of not going as planned, I do also ask everyone um, so people can realize that it's not the end of the world if something doesn't go as planned. Do you have any stories where things didn't go exactly the way you wanted 
Yes, not once, but twice. I hosted showers for two different friends um, that brides who ended up getting COVID in the days oh. prior to their showers. And, oh. and one of them was a surprise. Um, it's fortuitously, I was able to reschedule both of them and it all worked out. But it's, especially for the first one, it was intended to be in the fall. And I had like a, you know, very it was a very autumn theme um, and all the colors were really dialed in and the favors mm-hmm. and the verbiage and the invitation. Oh, you know, and her mother was flying in and I, <laughs> like everything was ready to go. Oh, and gosh. she had no idea. Um, and so when, when the shower actually did happen, we had some Christmas decor, we had some, you know, autumn <laughs> favors, it, like everything was not exactly how I wanted, but then right. it was sort of funny, like more than a year later, I wore the dress that I had intended to wear for her bridal shower at um, her baby shower, which ended up being um, more seasonally appropriate. So it all kind of came full circle. Um, but oh. yeah, so that was a little tricky, especially because it was a surprise. So I had to come right. up with a new way to surprise her. And we already, um, I think anyone who has at least for myself, the only way I know how to keep a secret is to just not talk to people if I'm really excited about something. So I kind of go off the grid. Um, Me too. That's exactly a surprise party and you will not hear from me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to do that again, but it all, it all worked out. Now, what is the one piece of advice that you would give a brand new hostess? I would say just start. And I didn't come up with this quote, but I really love it. And it's that you don't need to be great to start, but you do need to start to be great. And I'm a big believer in that. But I also don't think you need to be totally fabulous to be a hostess. I think that you just need to like have good intentions and want to bring people together for moments that matter. And that's all you really need. And I also think you don't need to make it more difficult than necessary. Like we have friends that are hosting, we're doing the 5k and Friendsgiving next weekend. And it's a totally, you know, organic thing. It'll be us and our friends running around our neighborhood, not part of any sort of official race, just one we're doing together. Mm -hmm. And our friends sent around a Google spreadsheet where everyone can sign up to bring something. And the hosts are graciously opening up their homes to everyone and they are providing coffee and everybody else is bringing everything else. And so I think it's a great example of if you want to provide a roasted turkey and all the fixings and a really elaborate meal, you can do that, but you also don't have to do that and it can still be a wonderful event. That's such good advice, especially when you're getting started, because uh, there are some people that are just scared um, They just yes. because they're not experienced and they are afraid it's going to be a lot more than, uh, you know, they're building up <laughs> this idea yeah. in their head that it's a lot. And I always say, st- well, you can start small, like have your neighbor over for a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a, it's a good way to build some confidence. Yeah. And and it's a great way, like like you said, they're opening their home. They're not going to have to do a lot of a preparation, like you said, for the food. But it, it's really going to make a big impact on all the neighbors getting together and having that mm-hmm. experience. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I do recommend what works for me. I keep notes 
after every event that I host. I find it very helpful. Yes. I Everything from, you know, this is exactly the menu that I prepared because I think there's nothing wrong with having fan favorites and serving them again and again, but you also don't want to seem like you're phoning it in or like people are getting sick of that same recipe again. Right. Um, And so I think it's helpful to remember who you've served what for. And then you can make note of like, you know, so-and-so really particularly like this or this wasn't as popular or next time I double that in that recipe. It's helpful to keep notes after a party because especially as time passes, you can forget and things that happened or what worked well or what didn't. So it's helpful to jot down a few notes while things are fresh in your mind after an event. I've tried to do that. Ro was really good at it over the years when I was younger, but I'm not as good recently (laughs) about it. But I would even write down what I wore sometimes just so that I could remember kind of like what the event was. And I've thought of, I've really thought about creating a journal like, um, like mm-hmm. a, or like one that could be published because I th- think it's so helpful. And the only thing that's really stopped me from doing it is I want a place for pictures in it. So that's kind of stopped me in like, how, cause like in today's world, you know, we're not printing out any pictures. And so um, trying to figure out how to work that in, but I love that you do that. Cause I feel like it it's so helpful. It reminds us of all the things that we're not going to remember And it helps us relive the event too. Yes. And I love your vision for pictures too, because especially as we're trying to repurpose and mix and match various china or flatware or table linens, Mm -hmm. glasses, it's, it's really nice, at least for me visually, to see how it's been done before. And you can imagine swapping things out. That's true. And it'll give you new ideas. Like if you're in a different space than you were three years ago for that party. Yeah, I just, I would really, I really like that and find it very helpful. But you know what? We are on to our speed round now. (laughs) Are are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is your all-time favorite restaurant? The White Barn Inn in Kennebunkport, Maine. Hmm. I haven't been there no, I mean, in Kennebunkport for like 24 years, I think. <laughs> it sounds like a nice place to visit. Is there food that you hate? I don't love shellfish. Me too. I'm right there with you. What is your favorite place that you've traveled? Um, I'd say the Amalfi Coast. Do you have an etiquette pet peeve? Using etiquette to make others feel badly. Oh, that's good. Do you have a favorite cookbook? The Joy of Cooking. That is a good one. Well, Allison, you have taught us so much, so much, and it's been wonderful getting to know you. I'm so glad that you've been here. And I know that our listeners are going to learn so much from you and feel more confident with your advice. And I know that they're going to want to check you out in all the places. So where can they find you online and social media, all the places? 
Oh, thank you. This has been so fun. And I would love to continue to connect with your listeners um, more online. You can find me on my website, which is elevateetiquette.com. And then also on Instagram at Elevate Etiquette. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here, Allison. Oh, thank you, Christy. This has been really fun. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of your podcast and honored to be part of your esteemed group of guests that you have featured here. I think you're doing such important work and I look forward to continuing to follow along. Oh, I appreciate those kind words and encouragement so much, Allison. All right. You take care now. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your podcast app. It would mean the world to me. If you need links for anything mentioned during this episode, head over to happyhostesscollective.com and you'll find them in the show notes. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, have a great week.